0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and world-class human being, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, what's really good? Hey,
1: i seeing you. <laughs> what could be better than that? Oh, thank you.
0: Thank you for saying that, Teddy. Before we jump into things, I just want to give a quick shout-out to all the um, subscribers and the people who've left reviews and shared the links. Such a massive help as we try to grow the show, and it takes a lot of effort to go, in, go in, goes into making these shows. And um, thanks, special thanks to our producer, to the stars, Rob Moore, who's done a great job with uh, organizing
1: we are, hey, this. We're, we're not doing this. Yeah. I, you know, And without my push for my children and, and the belief of Rob and all the resources that he's brought to this and effort that he's brought to it, we wouldn't be doing it yeah I, he I deserves a uh,
0: um, huge thank you he's really done a, a a crap load of work behind the scenes to make this all come together from organizing the cameras and the sound and it's it's no small task so um shout out rob moore pr producer to the stars um before we jump into things again thank you to everyone as a special thank you to everyone who's um subscribed and left reviews we've got um two boxing gloves signed by uh, teddy atlas and our upcoming guest the great vasily lomachenko and what we're going to do with these gloves we're going to give one to a random youtube subscriber so when you see the youtube show please subscribe leave comments we read them all uh, teddy doesn't read them i read them and the ones that are uh nasty and uh, aggressive towards me really hurt my feelings so please say nice things about me and the, other, the second glove we're going to give to... See, he's
1: sensitive, guys. <laughs> oh, very. You guys, do you understand what those kind of, they're not nice comments, what they can do to a person, a good person? <laughs> do you understand? You see glasses that he's wearing now, right? No, don't you, point at the you, glasses. You, you, you see that, right? <laughs> you, you, you see what you're doing to the guy, all right? Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Come on, we can all be better.
0: Thank you. So one glove. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, really yeah. showing my age. God. So one glove is going to go to a random YouTube subscriber, and again, please keep leaving the comments. Um, and the second glove is going to go to uh, our favorite review on Apple Podcasts. So please subscribe to the show, leave a review, even a nasty one. We're cool with that. Whoever. No we're not. <laughs>
1: But we we appreciate we want get better so we're, we're if you have some, we if you, appreciate all these
0: if you have some <laughs> constructive criticism, please feel free to leave it on the um review section in the Apple podcast, so we're going to give one glove to the YouTube subscriber and one to our favorite. Apple podcast review again, signed by Teddy Atlas and our upcoming guest with <clears throat> Philly Lomachenko. Um, you'll still have plenty of time to do this. Uh, we're going to, we're going to conduct the giveaway in about two weeks from right now. So, uh, check the show notes for details on how to enter the contest and, uh, we'll continue to post, uh, updates on Teddy's social media handles. Um, Teddy, how are things in camp with Alex? We're in Oxnard, California. Halfway yeah, through.
1: Halfway through, yeah. baby. Um, you know, four weeks down, four weeks to go. And uh, really three weeks of real hard work because I I start really pulling them back the last yeah. week. So that's how I look at it, and that helps me get to the finish line. Yep. You know, uh, three more weeks of hard work, sparring, and then the last week you pull back. You, you get the trip out to the east and get on location and start acclimating and you know actually just making sure you win the first part of the fight which is making weight but um everything listen i'm always i'm always careful about saying everything's great because we're blessed everything's good and thank god for that and so far so good but i know what can come down the road at you at any minute You know, that that things can change. There's a lot of variables out there in the air that you can't control when you're in a camp with a fighter, a human being, not a machine, you know? I think a lot of
0: people would be surprised to actually hear how um, emotionally invested you are in the camp. I know Rob and I uh, spoke with you on, uh, we're recording on a Sunday, on a Friday we spoke with you, and I was surprised at how sentimental you were getting about missing your family. And I can relate to that because I travel a lot for work, but I was, I shouldn't say surprised, but I was touched by how Sentimental, you were getting about your own family and about what you were doing here, and about the fact that you know Alex's son was sick, and now he's staying in the hotel his with daughter, you know, his, his daughter, his daughter, and he's staying at the hotel to avoid getting sick. And a lot of you know, as the trainer, you're kind of in control of most of the decisions. And
1: but she's okay, yep. thank God, but <clears> she, you know, she got she got the flu. It's, yeah, like like they're kids in school, do, right? Yeah, and, of course, and that's a normal part of uh, you know being a parent, a normal part of having a family. He's got three children; and they get sick. Yeah, but when you in camp with a fighter getting ready for a fight you, you, you those are things you have to try to avoid yeah and and you you try to avoid them the best you can and you and you pray that you can avoid them and those are the things that could come down the road that you can't control that that you don't plan on you know and uh, no matter how good training you do that those things can come at you so you know you you just again you just hope that it all comes together on that on that big night, that you're doing everything that you feel is right, you have a plan, you, you're sticking to that plan, but your eyes are open. You're watching to see: Do I got to pull him back? Uh, am I behind? Am I ahead? You know, is his weight getting too low? Do I need to, you know, uh, let a, let his weight go up a pound or two because I got three weeks of sparring left? Mm-hmm. So, so do I need to put a little bit more weight on to to burn it up to have it in the engine? So in the, you know, in, in the a furnace, so to speak. Uh, fan energy. So, y- you gotta keep your eyes open. You gotta look. But so far, so good. Thank goodness. Thank God. Uh, we've, we got our second spawn partner in. So we have two spawn partners here now. And, they're they're the right styles and they're doing everything that you know I, i'll go over things with them i'll watch tape with them of the opponent we're fighting and
0: say you see what the guy's doing here i'd like you to try that today oh, that's an interesting observation that I, and the, the reason i brought that up and i want to come back to that point about the uh, watching tape with the sparring partners the reason that i wanted to talk about this and bring up uh your own emotional journey with this camp is a lot of fight fans who might not be experienced with the sport and just be a fan from a distance, don't realize or recognize how much is going on behind the scenes and how many people are involved in the process and what exactly goes into it. You know, some people might just think they're training, doing cardio and physical activities, then they show up on fight night and let's do it. But there's a lot of emotional energy and and time and effort from a, a team of people that go into this. And I, I was just, I wanted to point out to people how emotional i think it can be for not just the fighter but for yourself being away from your family it's a huge commitment to be away for i mean people my grandchildren my
1: children my wife of course yeah exactly
0: but it's part of the sacrifice you make when you want
1: to do something special when you want to do something that listen it all starts with reminding yourself or never forgetting the privilege that you have for this opportunity yeah i don't forget that yeah it's a privilege to have this opportunity so that's the first thing be grateful that's the first thing. Be grateful. Yeah, it's not uh, just a commitment from you, but from your family as well. They're, well of course. They're it, very it, vested it's all in this. part of it. And so you have the opportunity, uh, to help your family, to help mm-hmm. yourself. And, but then there's a the sacrifice that goes with it. But yeah. again, you're, you're grateful that you even are in a position to be able to make that sacrifice. Yeah. And, but you, you know, you, you do listen, you know, I don't want to let down the fighter. I don't want to let my family down, and um, and I'm, I'm blessed I'm, that I have this opportunity, this this privilege, as I call it. But the responsibility hangs over you, yeah, because you are responsible. You're right. responsible to not fail the trust of that person who's getting in that ring. Who's believing everything you tell them every day for eight weeks of training camp? Yeah, and yeah, you want to be right. You want to be right, and sometimes you you hit walls emotionally as a trainer. Like the other day, I hit a wall. I just hit a wall. It was like I want my family. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, know, I you know. I'm not trying to cry. Yeah, you know, no, no, I felt but for you. I'm, but I, it's just like I I need my family. Yeah, but I need to keep going. Yeah, so I don't have my family. Yeah. So I have them on the phone, I have them, you know, I I discovered this thing, Um, it's really pretty amazing, so I'll tell you about it, it's a thing called FaceTime, this thing, (laughs) it's like, you can actually see the people, you can see see the people you're talking to. (laughs) They could even give you kisses. <laughs> and your grandchild can like kiss the phone. Yeah, and wow, it's like it's um, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know about? This? Oh yeah, I use you FaceTime know? when I'm away with my uh, children all the time. It's really great. Yeah, you know, but it, it it's it's not enough. Yeah, but
1: but but it's it it is great. Better so, than nothing. Yeah, it is. But but anyway, not complaining in any way. It's just that you you've. You need your family, and um, I need my family. So, but you do this, you know, you commit to it, and, and you got to finish it, and you got to do it, and you can't be, uh, you can't be half stepping. Uh, you can't show any of that effect around your fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, you you feel it, and you, you you take a deep breath, and you say, "Okay, let's go." Yeah, Let's go. What do we things? got to do?
0: What do we got to do tomorrow? You there's know? a lot of things in boxing that are outside of the boxer's control, like all the politi- b- the politi- the politics involved, the judges. There's just a million variables. So to the extent you can control as much as you can, is well, that's what I like. And I, I admire the yeah. way you run this camp.
1: Well, thank you. And I have help. I have a I have a guy named Al, yep. who's in camp with me. Who's, uh, he's been my assistant for the two camps now, and he's been
0: a tremendous help. Al, the Lithuanian superstar. Yeah, he's uh, he is Lithuania. super nice guy. Yeah, um, talk to me about the. Um, you, you mentioned the sparring partners and watching um, tape of the opponent. I think that's an interesting point that you mentioned, and I just want to highlight that for the fans because I don't think that a lot of people recognize that you could get a sparring partner that comes in with their own agenda. They're working on their own game plan, whatever, but it's important that the sparring partner is actually emulating the opponent for, who, for whom you're preparing, yes. and what's that process like, do they come in, do, they, do these guys get it right Well, away, I picked the or...
1: style, first of all, I look at videotape, Al helped me with that, he helped me find guys and <clears throat> find candidates out there, That first of all, you gotta get the right size, you try to get the right height, the right reach, you know, closest yeah. you can get, the right weight, <clears throat> once you get that, okay, show me video, I wanna see the style. Uh, guy, you know, boom, two seconds, the guy's running all over, forget it, that's this next, yeah. because this guy we're fighting is a physical, aggressive, gritty guy who's in front of you. Yeah. And he's looking for big punches. Uh, he's looking to come forward. He's looking to get to you. So right away, you know, you eliminate guys. Right. The guy moves too much. This guy's a little too cute. Uh, you know, I, I want to get more physical guy. I want a guy who's looking to, uh, load up on right hands and left hooks, you know, and then you, you see you see the guy that you think you, you're not going to see it perfect, but you see enough of that and then you say okay let's try this guy and then you know you say okay make a phone call see if he's available Mm -hmm. you know and you're looking at his record too you're looking at who he's fought how many rounds he's gone how durable he's gonna be how durable he's been on his record will tell me how durable he can be in in camp yeah you know so you look at all those things and then when i get him here i sit down with him and i watch tape Mm -hmm. of the guy's you know, obviously of our opponent. And I, I let him see it. I see, you see what he's doing there? I'd like to see if we can do this. Okay. I'd like to see, can, can you do this? And then during sparring, I remind them, hey, you know, I got two good guys here. One of them's name is Timor and the other is Todd.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I, I yell out, Todd, I, I need more right hand leads. Mm-hmm. All right, you got it. You know, so you, you uh
0: you stay on top of everything. I think that that's a big component that a lot of people probably don't appreciate is how important it is that the the sparring partner emulates. The style that you're looking for and doesn't revert back to because, again, he's in there with a world class fighter that he's going to revert.
1: Listen, they're going to revert back. This is reality. They're going to Ken. They're going to revert back. But you you already know that their style is similar enough. You get the best you can. You get most of it. And then the rest of it's up to you to, to be going over to reinforce things yourself on the floor. To where I'll go over things, okay, uh, I will emulate what the opponent will right. do every day with my fighter to show them, okay, we got to look out for this, we got to look out for this, let's go through the drills.
0: And I would imagine you have to tell Alex to dial it back on some of these sparring punters, because again, they're, they're maybe contenders, young guys, whatever their case may be. No, no, no these, be, guys, are, coming these guys are
1: experienced, it depends what guys you got. The guys we got, we don't have to do that too much, oh, they're, they're pretty experienced. Listen, sometimes do you have to do that? yes. Uh, Do you get in a situation where you have to dial it back? Yeah. We're not here to hurt nobody. Right. You know, there's nobody here. Uh, Listen, I use 18-ounce gloves. A lot of guys Uh, don't use that. I use 18-ounce gloves. Yeah. There's a reason for that. We're we're not here to win a decision. We're (laughs) not here to get a purse. We're we're here to learn. Yeah. We're here to get prepared, not to hurt people. Right.
0: So, you know, if we do, if you do catch a guy right, we let up. Gotcha. Listen. One of the topics that I want to talk to you about that's been uh, in the news lately, um, and you and I have—I'm spo- going to tell you a story. Go ahead. There was a fighter. Um, I'm not going to use a
1: name, but there was a fighter. He was coming up, and on his way up, he was knocking everybody out. And what happened was the word got out that they had to—they had to pay a lot extra for for small partners, right. where the price of a small partner back in those days might have been 500 a week. Uh, all of a sudden, it, it went up to <clears throat> 1500 2000, which was unheard of. Yeah. Unheard of.
0: Like, whoa. What's today's oh. price typically? Eh, well, ballpark. it depends
1: on who the guy is. It depends on, you know, uh, how tough he is. That's a thousand dollars maybe you know okay. it could be a thousand bucks, it could be eight hundred, it could be you know somewhere okay. in that neighborhood okay you know depending again on listen if you're if you're not making big purses uh obviously you you can't pay as much yeah. you know it's everything's relative, so back in those days, it was unheard of to go over a thousand and but they had to because you know. This this guy was demolishing guys. He was a wrecking ball. And everyone thought it was so great. It was so great. And I remember one day in Gleason's Gym and the old Gleason's Gym on 30th Street, I think it was 30th, between 7th and 8th Avenue. I was there for years after I left Catskill. And... It was only about three blocks walk from Madison Square Garden. How great is that? You're training in a gym, you walk three blocks to the garden, <laughs> and then you got a guy fighting. How many times I did that? I trained
0: guys during the day, and then I walked to the garden for a fight that night. Well, uh, you're going to train and you walk past the marquee yeah. and Reminded. are minded. Uh, that's where that's oh, oh,
1: the fell form, the old fell form. Oh, yeah. Now they call it the theater. <laughs> yeah. But it was the old fell form. And A lot of good fights there. And uh, so, anyway, so, th- you know, this guy, the reputation was out. And he was just, you know, dropping guys all the time. And everyone thought it was so great. The, the manager, the, you know, the people around them, you know, all the all the his supporters, wow, this is great, this is great. And you know what? I didn't think it was so great. And, and part of it is because of my background being brought up with Custom model. I understand the psyche and the other dimensions of it. But you know why I didn't think it was so great? Because they will. First of all, you're bringing guys in where you have an edge on them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you're not knocking out guys that are number one contenders, number two contenders, number three, four, five, six contenders. You're not going to get out guys that are being paid to be small partners. Some of them are really good, but there's there's a there can be a big gap in between that. Some of them are very good, <laughs> right? So you. You're doing that. What do you, you're not making the guy develop beyond that. You're basically telling the guy that it's okay to be a bully. Yeah. And it's okay to take advantage and to have an advantage. And it's almost guaranteed you start to get of feeling that you're entitled to having an edge. Yeah. Guess what? One day you're going to get in the ring, you ain't going to have that edge. Yep. It's you. Yeah. And you're kind of telling them like, we're fixing things where you always have an edge and you can always have your way. Guess what? Someday you get in that freaking place, you ain't having your way. Mm-hmm. You got to find the way. I'll say it again. You ain't having your way. I tell you that in life you got to find a way. And if you don't teach a kid that, when, when he's at a certain formative place in life, as your child, as, as whatever he is, as that kid, he's going to get to a place where the lack of that lesson is going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And the lack of that lesson in boxing hurt this guy and was going to hurt him. And I remember thinking, they're not doing him a favor by basically serving guys up on silver platters, you know, for him to demolish, because a he thinks that it's always going to be this way, that he's entitled to having that edge, and b he never has to overcome anything. Mm-hmm. He he never has pushback. Yeah, There's, uh, you know, if you're getting you if you're getting ready to do a swim from one piece of land to another in the ocean. I think it would be a good idea if a wave hit you in the face once in a while. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> I think I, I think that if you did all your swimming in a swimming pool that's right. eighty five degrees and the water's like this, I think you might have a problem when you get in the freaking ocean.
0: <laughs> and I can I tell th- you that from experience <laughs> that And, that and I thought <laughs> When I
1: watched this guy, he might have a problem when he gets in the ocean, and he did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and again. It was people could say, "Well, he fell short. His talent only." No, he had talent. He had talent. What they they were not allowing him to develop, develop the rest of the package mm-hmm. that he was going to always need sooner or later. You know, people talk about the neon talents, the the power, the speed, the things that are so easy to to see, to to. Wrap your head around. Oh, yeah, look how fast he is. Look at that footwork. Look at that. Look at that hand speed. Well, what about the talent of being reliable, dependable?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What about that talent? That has to be developed. That's, that's not genetics. That has to be developed. That has to be worked. There has to be a, a training curve for that. There has to be an understanding for, in life, period. There has to be an understanding of how do you get a guy to depend on himself. To know that he can depend on himself. You know how important that is? Just to know that you can depend on you, You know how many guys fought fights and they lost, but they won? Mm. You, because in that fight, they found out they could depend on themselves. And then they went on three fights later and won the world title. Yeah, Because they found out that they could depend on themselves, which they didn't know. So I remember watching this guy and saying, he's going to have a problem. Mm. He's going to have a problem because one day he's going to be in there with a guy who's not there to get knocked out. Yeah. And he ain't going to know what to do. And that day came. So I just wanted to say that.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I want to talk to you about that's been in the news lately recently, and you and I have touched on this on the previous shows is um, <clears throat> first, I want to talk about the heavyweight division and what's going on with the different alignments with Fury recently signing with Bob Aram and ESPN and after we touch on that specifically then come back full circle to touch on the whole structure of the way promoters are now aligning themselves with networks and the challenges it presents to the to the to boxing as a whole and primarily to the fans because ultimately we want to see the fights we want to see but with everyone aligning with networks and people kind of you know putting their flag in the ground and 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 making these alignments it's how i want, I want to talk to you specifically about how difficult it becomes to make these fights but first, let's talk about fury signs with um e s p n and Bob aram. I want to share a couple of thoughts and then I want to hear what you have to think uh, what, sorry what you have to say um so obviously these guys have a, um great fight a draw seems like a, um a reasonable decision given the fight in my opinion um But it looks like an obvious no-brainer to make this rematch, settle this dispute, and have the winner fight uh, Anthony Joshua. I think that the boxing community, boxing fans in general, like what all agree, this is what people want to see. And it's interesting to me because Fury... Signs with Bob Arum and ESPN. Now, what's important to note is that Fury, if I'm not mistaken, gave
1: gave his entire, I think so. For five fights. Yeah. I believe that's what it
0: is. Keep in mind, too, the one thing I want to point out. Fury gave, according to all accounts and himself included, gave his prize purse for the first fight with Wilder to charity. He seems like a very, he doesn't seem to be motivated. I've heard him say in the press, I'm not motivated by money. I have all the money I'll ever need. I'm interested in legacy. So he's and not going to take the $100 million they gave him? So it, this is uh, what I'm getting to. So he he gives away his whole purse, so he says, and now he signs with Bob Arum and yes. ESPN- There's and- no way he could give that $100 million. <laughs> I know a couple of good charities
1: yep. that will truly, truly, truly help the needy. Yeah. But we'll, I don't we'll think, I don't think that. that's going to
0: happen. So... He's guessing. now signing with just ESPN guessing. and Aram, and sure enough, as soon as it was it doesn't announced, makes me the amazing question. <laughs> as soon as it was announced, you could already hear people. yourself included, said to me, "I don't think this fight is happening. I don't think this rematch is happening." And lo and behold, they announced it's not happening. And personally, it, it's it's I find it to be incredibly frustrating. Well, because you didn't that's have to go to
1: fight. MIT to figure that one out. <laughs> I you didn't have to graduate MIT. I graduated PS twenty seven. <laughs> And I, get I, why, I I figured I, that one out I mean you give someone it, listen him. it's not a knock on anyone we're, t- we're talking straight stuff here mm-hmm. I mean it's business Yeah, it ain't personal Ken mm-hmm. it's business you know uh, like they said in that great movie and I love I just love referencing movies I really enjoy that because movies can be so true to life sometimes yeah. you know but listen you give someone a hundred million dollars uh, and you put a certain amount of fights attached to getting that you know, actually being able to get to that $100 million, guess what? You want to go down the road to get to that $100 million, you know? And again, you don't have to graduate MIT to know if you give someone $100 million, rather than take a rematch with a guy who dropped him two times that could risk him getting to that place, it, it does, it's not good business. It doesn't make sense. They wouldn't have signed the $100 million deal if that's the route they wanted to go. you know. And you could say all you want. Oh, gee, if they make that rematch, it could be $30 million, it could be $40 million, whatever, you want, whatever numbers you want to put on it, whatever. But it's not $100 million. And there's, there's risk that the party ends if he gets caught. Don't forget, he was laying flat on his back and then he jumped up. Mm. If he gets caught, maybe just a little bit different, just a little Fraction of an inch this way and a fraction of a a millimeter this way. Maybe he doesn't get it. Maybe he wins the fight, too. Yeah. But but I'm just saying, it's business. And once you knew that that was a deal made, that fight, if you're a reasonable guy and you don't like to lie to yourself and play games with yourself and live in la-la land, you know, I'd like to live in la-la land, but I, I mean, I... I can't find it. Mm. I, I mean, it, uh, and, and still take care of my family. I wish I could. But, you know, um, you have to live in, in Reelsville. You know, and Reelsville tells you that if, you know, if, hey, if somebody's fortunate enough and Fury earned it, he's fortunate enough to get paid that kind of money, uh, he's, there's a plan. And the, the plan is to take certain fights to, get to, to try to get to that place. And, you know, and is, is that what the fans want to hear? And uh, no, but it's a, you know, it's a reality. And, and also there's, there's things in the way. I mean, there's, you know, everyone's got different promoters. So it's not that easy. A lot of times the fans will say, why can't that fight be made with that fight? And that fight be made with that. And not all fans, because most fans are pretty educated. But, well, because that fight is with him, and that fight is with him, and the, so the fight can't be made, you know? Because that, and because that fighter who's with him, the promoter over there, whoever ex-promoter is over there, is with ex network and that fight over there is with Wyatt network. And yeah. so they they're gonna stay on their piece of property and they're gonna stay on their piece of property. You know, um back in the old days when Don King controlled everything, and listen, there was something wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing was being that he controlled everybody, you could make uh you could make some fights because he, he was going to win no matter what to his famous words and they're infamous words. And it's not nice stuff that he, that some of this was attached to. But, you know, when he was controlling all the heavyweights and he was able to make the fights because he had both sides. Um, like he said that night that Joe Frazier, the great late Joe Frazier was undefeated, you know, uh, He had beaten Ali in the fight of the century, right? He was going to fight a young, undefeated fighter that was an Olympian named George Foreman. A lot of people didn't know much about him. Uh They saw a picture of him holding a flag, but they didn't really know much about Big George. And um, Joe Frazier, you know, King goes, like he said, his words. He went with Joe Frazier to that fight. I believe it was in the Philippines against George Foreman. Uh And he's defending his title. Joe is the world champion, undefeated, and he's fighting George Foreman. And like King said, I went to the arena with the champion, and I left the arena with the champion because <laughs> 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 when Joe Frazier got knocked out, brutally knocked out, uh, he left the arena with the other guy. Yeah, with with uh, with George. So, but you know, those and nowadays it's. In some ways, you know, it's it's different, but it's the same. I mean, you, everyone has their piece of the pie, so to speak, that owns these different areas that they are fighters, and those are the areas, for the most part, unless there's a special situation where there's enough money involved, where both promoters, both networks can get together you know the first time that happened, I believe if my memory serves me correctly and i'm I'm jumping around a little bit, but i don't I hope the fans uh stay with me and and they don't mind that, and they like going down the the trivia road a little bit and journey with me. But I think the first time that they got together that way might have been Lennox Lewis and Tyson mm-hmm. in Tennessee, where they put that fight on and where the the two different promoters. Uh, two different networks agreed to, you know, come together. And then, of course, the next time, the next real big one was Pacquiao and Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Again, when two different networks, two different promoters, it was big enough. Uh, they made concessions. They made, you know, they made deals where, okay, you'll be on, uh, be on our network, but we're we'll usual commentators, you know, whatever the deal was. Yeah. And, and they worked it out. But other than that, you know, you stay on your property and i'll stay on my property don't come on my property
0: <laughs> i get i get uh espn and Aaron's motivation signing tyson fury he's he's a big draw and he's a charismatic i mean i find him to be incredibly And you know who they should
1: thank Who's that see we talk boxing things that don't normally get talked mm-hmm. we 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 turn it inside out
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we do and we 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 talk things that normally you you you're, you're not gonna really, you're not gonna hear it. We're well, we're in the barbershop, shop, baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? The old days where yeah, yeah. you, yeah, you know, where you could got real stuff. You know, but Fury should be thanking Canelo and his people for getting the deal they got. They should send a Christmas card to Canelo. In every, every, Yeah, in his own, D-A-Z-N. Send a Christmas card to him. How do you say Merry Christmas in
0: Spanish? Feliz Navidad. There
1: it is. And I love the sound of that. <laughs> say it again. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. It's beautiful. Yeah. They should be singing that to, Fury should be singing that to Canelo and his people as often as possible, because if the Canelo deal... $330 million for eleven. Three hundred sixty-five. I think. F- think. So, uh, What's well, a couple? Of, <laughs> come on. <yeah. laughs> All right. So even bigger, $365 million for what? 11 fights, something like that? 10 or 11. All right. So if that deal doesn't come down the pike, that historic deal doesn't come down the pike, then there's no motivation for there's no competition. If that restaurant doesn't open up across the street, guess what? Then this restaurant doesn't have to be better. Yeah, they don't have to make sure that their fettuccine alfredo is fresh. You might get fettuccine alfredo that's not fresh. Mm-hmm. You could get sick. Yeah, you get sick. Be careful. So it's just it's it's what. It's what makes the world go around. It's what makes America the greatest, the competition. So ESPN then comes up and Aram, you know, they're they're smart. They come up and they say, hey, we got to compete. We're all trying to get viewers on the app. Right. It's all about the apps now. Yeah. It's all about not the abs, not the, I know you, it's for you. It's all about the apps, about <laughs> <laughs> the apps, baby. But, but for these people, it's about the apps. Yep. And it's all about that streaming, streaming. streaming. I know that. I can say that. All right. Ask me how to get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ain't happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah. So it's all about getting that audience, that market. Mm-hmm. So. You know, they, they come up with that deal, and then ESPN has to jump in the waters and say, Hey, we got our app too. We want to stay competitive. We got to sign a name too. Mm-hmm. And presto, $100 million, you know, Aaron uh, c- comes with the idea. And $100 million now, we'll sign up a name. You know, they have Canelo. Well, who can we do comparable? There's no one comparable to Canelo and, and because.
0: Anthony Joshua is yeah, already with the And, and Joshua so always available. There. So
1: we got to get, we, we, we got to catch up. We got to get in the game, babe. Mm -hmm. So the $100 million comes up to get Fury. So, again, that deal comes because of this deal, Mm -hmm. The, the competitive, what's going on now, the competition for that market. Yeah. And that's what's going on. But when you do that, when a network gives that kind of money... You know, they're not giving that kind of money and say, okay, you know, even though the fans might love the idea, and I'm with you guys, I'm with you, they might love the idea. Let's fight Wilder right away. Well, no, you give them a hundred million dollars. We, we want them on our air fighting. We want them on our air for five times to get on, to have a chance to recoup our money or at least yeah. to build our audience. That's why we paid them. We, we don't want to go into the casino and, and, and take all our chips and say, yeah. Put it on red, babe.
0: Uh-huh.
1: No, no. We we want to play for a while. Yeah. And that's what it is. You know, and you could be out there for, you know, uh, all kinds of places trying to figure it out. And
0: this is what we're talking about is what it's about. It's been interesting see this, seeing this play out because I thought that when Fury and Wilder fought I and they and they fought to a draw, I I, I seriously, in the last three weeks, the, the, the dynamics have changed so much. I thought, oh, Joshua's on the outside looking in now. He seemed like he was in the driver's seat. Now these guys are obviously going to rematch and Joshua's going to have to take another fight. He might be waiting for a while. And next thing you know, it looks like now Wilder's the, on the outside looking in without a deal and Fury's got the money, but... Th- the thing that I find surprising is Fury's come out and say, I gave away my whole purse. I'm not about money. I'm about legacy. But then to sign that deal, like I get why Aaron and ESPN want it, but wh- I don't understand why Fury, for his own legacy, if he, if in fact he has all the money he'll ever need, which he probably does, why wouldn't he want the fight? And again, I get the business side of it, but it's just frustrating for the fans, my, myself included, I, it's, because he, it's, because he does want money. Yeah. Don't, cl- tell, uh, clearly, don't tell anyone. Clearly. He does want yeah,
1: money. Clearly. I mean, it's one thing to give out a beautiful soundbite at a press conference. Yeah. And I'm not knocking the guy. I like yeah, the guy. I do, too. I like him. But I'm just in realsville here. Oh, yeah. That's all. Well, actions <laughs> and, speak louder and, than and words. Yeah, you can well, say action, all you want, yeah. but the actions but, but, are saying, you know, okay. I want the money. Yeah, but, I don't want this fight. But at the end of the day, you know, he, he also wants to have uh, the ability to... Um, Take care of his family, as whatever, and take and have the things that he wants to have in life. And hey, listen, I always say it, I'll say it again. Anyone who gets in that ring for a living, you can't make enough money. For yeah. me, I, I don't begrudge anyone. You can get it, if you can get it, get it.
0: Yep. If you can get you, you know, know, I'm I'm not arguing that he what? shouldn't get it, but it's it's frustrating I get that it. we're not going get to see what seemingly everyone hey, is going to be You wanted to want change. To I'll tell you how it changes. Let's forget about
1: all this banter back and forth about, oh, I wish it was this way. <laughs> it's not this way. Forget all that. That's, again, Reelsville. You know how it changes? Make, make boxing the UFC. Get Dana White. It's not happening, but he's a dictator. Yeah. You know what? Dictators usually are not good, mm. but sometimes in some places they can be useful. Mm. With the USFC and the building of that product, the development, the building, the growing of that franchise—and boy, did it grow—was because they had a dictator. Because the dictator could make all the rules. There were no, as I just pointed out, there were no, you know separate power brokers in different areas that had their piece of property and their piece of property and their piece of property and that we fight we we fight on our network we fight on our network we fight on our network and we do what we want to do no there was one place one guy laying the rules out you fight him or you're out you fight him or you're out and you know what that's why he grew that sport, and that's why he grew that product, because he could demand competitive fights. That's what you're asking for. You're that's just right. asking for the best fights. That's it. That's what the fans want. That's what I'm with wants. you. But I'm just pointing out, he could do it because he was a dictator. He, he could go and say, you're fighting him, and you're fighting him, and you're fighting him, and, you're, and that's it. And he was able to do that. Because it was he was the power, he was the one guy. There were no other options, no other places to go. So it was my way or the highway. So he was able to put on the fans with one of the things that grew the sport was hey, you watch UFC, yeah, it's a little brutal, it's a little brutal for me. No, no, no. I'm telling you, it's a little brutal, it is this, but they got skills, they got and they're always competitive fights. Dude, really? Yeah, they're always good. You're not seeing, like, one guy, like, as soon as he, you know, before the National Anthem's over, you know who's winning. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, the National Anthem was tougher than a fight. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. And, and you, you can see that in boxing. You know, I mean, yep. it's, it's, it happens. But for the most part, it didn't happen in the UFC when he was growing up because he knew what he was doing. He knew what he could do. He knew what he could demand. He could demand those kind of matches, and the fans would be satisfied. They would go away saying, "Oh, oh, oh that was World War II. Well, next week, World War Three. Next week, World War Four, because you knew what you were going to get. Yeah. And he could do that. And you know, unless you have that, you ain't going to have it in boxing. But unless you have that, you ain't having Nirvana, that we're talking about here. And boxing is the one sport that doesn't have a dictator. Uh, I, I, I'm going I'm to soften it. They don't have a czar. They don't have a national commission. All the other sports do. The NFL, you know, the NFL, you get a lot of competitive games. You get your blowouts, don't get me wrong, but you get a lot of competitive games and you have parity for the most part. If it gets out of whack, boom, there's a rule put in place to get parity. Why? Because it's a commission that makes sure. Why? For the survival and the benefit of the sport, the sport. And that's what Dana White was about. It was, yeah, he was part of it. Don't get me wrong. He benefited, but it was about the survival and the benefit and the growing of the sport, not one guy, not, not just one set of fighters. And in the NFL, it's about the survival and the growth and the development of the sport. That's why they're going to London. They're going around the world, globalizing their sport, but they knew that if it was just about a couple of owners having the best teams, if they didn't make those rules where it was it demanded parity, where we were putting salary caps and doing whatever they had to do, luxury tax, whatever, baseball, whatever. If they didn't do that, yeah, New England would win every year. They don't win every year, by the way. I know, you're, I know you're a Rapid Maniac <laughs> New England
0: fan, uh, but they don't. Now they don't. Now they're even trying to frame uh, Bob Craft. <laughs> well, Pope let's Kraft. not get into that right now.
1: <laughs> okay?
0: We, we, okay. So
1: <laughs> you go, and in football, like I said... You you have a commission, so his job is to make sure the whole sport grows, not just Robert yeah. Kraft. Now you know, otherwise it would be about Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. It would be you know about the most powerful, richest guys. But no, it's not because there's rules put in place. There 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 is a safeguard to make sure that the. The growth of the sport continues. The benefit of the sport comes before the benefit of
0: of one promoter or or one owner. Yeah, so a quick but, question, quick question on that topic. We have governing bodies that award these belts. Let's just use WBC. But let me WBC, finish one thing. Okay, go ahead.
1: What what I'm saying is, like we talk about like a fighter can avoid a fighter. Yeah. All right. In the NFL, perfect example. Most people haven't thought about it this way. But Brady is good as they are, right? They, they can't say, I want to avoid New Orleans next year because Drew Brees is dangerous. <laughs> Actually, no, the tougher you play them, no, the more likely no, but, you're going to get to get yeah, that match. But you can't avoid them. No, the point no. is, you can't do what you do in boxing. There's a commission say no, you can't do that. Yep. Well, I want to avoid the Green Bay Packers because, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers could beat us. <laughs> yeah, he could. And, and that's what our fans are looking forward to. Yeah, the possibility. So that's why a commission is important. But we don't have one, uh, overall national commission. Years ago, I traveled down with ESPN to interview Senator John McCain about getting a national commission. A lot of people don't know this. And I went down there with the sole purpose of getting him on board to help us get a national commission because of everything I'm talking about. When I talk about the corruption with the judges, when I talk about the corruption with, you know, with the different facets of the game that hurt the fighters, hurt the sport, hurt the, chase the fans. I said, let me put my money where my mouth is. Instead of just talking about it, yelling about it, let me see if I could do something. So we made an arrangement. I went down there and I met with him. I interviewed him and talked to him about getting a national commission. Um, He was on board. He was on board. Uh... We did some things. we started to travel down that road someday on another show. I'll get more into some of the some of the potholes and hurdles that really stopped it. But basically, we started going down the road, and he did enact some legislator
2: um
1: legislation uh he started the, a little before that actually he started the Muhammad Ali Act, yeah which was helpful, but Mm -hmm. uh, like the great Jack Newfield, who I miss every day, was a great journalist and a great defender of the underdog, great man. As he once said to me, it was okay, but it was kind of like giving chicken soup for something that needed antibiotics. Yeah. You know? It made you feel good. It made you feel good, like... (sighs) we got the alley act now okay but what do you really have like it, it didn't it didn't kill the virus yeah it didn't kill the virus and so but like i said it went to the point where he set me up with his people we started putting a structure together we t- started talking about who could be a boxing czar mm-hmm. you know and and i mean we really started talking about it. but then a little thing i don't know how the heck he let this take president over it really i, I still don't understand <laughs> but a little thing like he so got an opportunity to run for president of the United <laughs> States. And, and guess what? All, all his efforts went into that.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and this kind of got left alone a little bit. And he cared about boxing McCain. He did. He cared about it. Not, not, I used to get pissed. I, I even talked to him about it. I said, you know what pisses me off? That you guys in government, you cared so much about baseball and the people in baseball when you had a problem. Yeah. That the president got involved. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. And, and you, you, you cared about it. you care. you, what, nobody cares about our people? Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about our guys, uh, in boxing? Uh, start caring. So he did care about it. And like I said, we did travel down that road, and we did try to put the—the the idea was to put a national commission together. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. But there was some things, some they were talking more about it, but there was some adversaries in the bushes. There, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. Can you believe that? Okay. <laughs> there, was, there was a few people in there that—politicians that I don't think were on the up and up—
0: Yeah. You're kidding, politicians. Yeah, there was a
1: few politicians. I didn't think they <laughs> were. <gonna up> them <laughs> Might up. be the only dirtier and, business than and, boxing. And when McCain had to take it to the next place because he can't do it himself, yeah. it, we started having a few problems, and it never got to that next place. And again, he ran for president of the United States, and he had bigger fish to fry, you know, and and it kind of got it didn't go to the place that I was hoping it would go to. But that's the hope. If if these things were to be remedied, that we're talking about. That's the way to do it, but talk it, to me it, about yeah. the
0: sanctioning bodies. Like, let's say again, let's use the WBC as an example, just to pick a random one. So, WBC, someone has the title, and then they have mandatory challengers, and they, they demand certain fights, or you'd be stripped of the belt. Like, they seem to be like toothless tigers. They, I mean, they, they, they
1: are They're not in con- toothless tigers. Not so, the, not the alphabet organizations. I mean, they, you know, they, they work with. You know, their their work. They they see who the champion is and what money he brings in. They get they get a fee from every time he defends the title. You know, and they can mandate who you have to fight. Mm-hmm. So if you have a relationship, if a manager has a relationship with with a certain organization who runs that organization, but people don't and realize they have that a they certain have... relationship with them. All of a sudden, their guy. You know, you have just you, theoretically. You're supposed to do it on merit. You, you you win certain fights, you move up in the ratings. But somehow, I don't know. Somehow, miraculously, some guys oh, they jump up a little bit. But that's you ever what played I mean. checkers? You <laughs> ever played checkers where you could do two, double jumps? Yep. Okay, there's double jumps. There's a lot of double <laughs> jumps in, in boxing. Okay, and all of a sudden, a guy will jump up. To a mandatory position, so now if there was a relationship with the manager that helped that jump take place, now all of a sudden that guy uh, is a mandatory to fight for a title, where the champion you know has to has to fight him. Theoretically,
0: there's ways around it. But if you are in, for instance, if the WBO and the WBC that has two separate champions, why wouldn't it be so obvious that? The the other fighter is obviously the number one challenger to the belt. Like the WBC champ should be the number one contender for the WBO belt and vice versa. Why aren't those fights because not? They made? All,
1: because what we talked about with the promoters, they all have their pieces of property and everyone wants to make their money on their pieces of property. Why doesn't the
0: sanctioning body demand, like, hey, will you have the WBO belt, guy, fighter X? Because has they're the WBC. separate entities
1: because they all have their own agendas. They They all, you know, they have different. Powers and forces that they that they answer to too, you know that they're beholden to, you know they got a group of guys that they have relationships with the these fighters who are managed by these guys, and it works for them it they have relationships those relationships are uh, sometimes prosperous for them in certain ways, okay, without getting too deep into it, so they have their group of guys, you know I mean. And, and this, this group over here, whatever one they are, they have their group of guys. So it makes sense for them to have these guys as their top guys. And it makes sense, you know, usually the same names are in a different order for the most part. But then these guys have their own group of guys that makes sense because it makes sense.
0: It seems more rare than ever to have anyone unify any titles. I think right now the only weight class that's unified is uh, cruiserweight. Uh, Usyk, Ukrainian kid, has all the belts. Uh, it just seems like that's not it, that used to happen. I feel like f- more, somewhat more frequently, but now it just seems there's so many belts, so many titles, so many sanctioning bodies, and obviously everyone's collecting their fees. To, if you want to be ranked, you've got to it's pay a fee. It's a business,
1: right? but Ken, it's a business. Should it be should it be eliminated? I think so. Should it be pulled back on? I think so. Should it be, you know, tampered down tremendously? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where's the national commission demanding Mm. that that happens?
0: Mm.
1: No one's going to. If there's no one to demand it, they're not going to do. You think one of these heads of the organizations that gets a percentage every time one of these guys fight a lucrative purse? You think they're going to say, ah? Okay, Ken. I listened to you and Teddy's podcast. Yeah, you know, and it really kept me up last night. You know, it did. It, it wasn't the Reuben sandwich that I ate from Harvey's Deli. It, 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 it was my conscience. It, my conscience. It kept me up. And you know what? I'm I'm not gonna do what I do anymore. I'm not gonna do it this way anymore. It's gonna be all about merit. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be about you know agendas or relationships or about making money for myself.
0: You know, I, I could do without a third swimming pool. I mean, really, <laughs> two of them is enough. I'm just surprised that there hasn't been um, a, a, a a neutral body that's Neutral um, body like- who can who. Mm-hmm. You need a national
1: commission. I just told you. The NFL, MLB, NHL, all right, NBA. Why do they continue to prosper? Because their concentration is on what's the benefit of the game. For the benefit of the game and, of course, the fans, because without the fans, you don't have a game. So they understand we have to keep parity we, we have to put certain rules in order to keep that parity, to make sure one guy doesn't have all the wealth, to make sure that, that these rules are not overridden, that somebody doesn't find a way, you know, just to control things, uh, where it's only good for them. It has to be good for the whole sport. So there's a national commission put in place, <laughs> excuse me, to make sure that there's rules and they adhere to, right? And, th- and that... The roadmap you're following, where you're looking to go, is what's best to grow the sport. Not one franchise, but we just explained it. There is no guy there to do that in this sport. There is no policeman. This is the Wild West still, to a certain extent. I think with the rise of these streaming
0: services is making it more of a Wild West than it ever was before. And one of the ones that I want to speak about specifically and just get your thoughts on, and and I know you've been involved with ESPN for a number of years, and I know that they desperately want to compete and provide good products. I think they sincerely do want to provide a good product with ESPN Plus and the streaming service. But one one of the arrangements that I question the 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 decision making in and, and not necessarily the um ethics because i think that espn again wants to deliver the best product so they've done a deal with bob Aram and i just want to play devil's advocate for a minute and again this you could see this take uh, could be a cynical view but let's say espn wants to get into boxing bob Aram has a stable of fighters he's known to put on he very capable of producing events putting on fights so i think they gave him. uh, i could be off on the numbers here i apologize if it's not bang on accurate but let's say they gave him 70 million for the next five to seven years to put on x amount of fights let's say 50 dates a year so they give him the money bsbn best intentions bob arum says wow that's a lot of fights but like a lot of things in business you just you know, fake it till you make it. OK, I think I can do that. I don't have all those fighters right now, but I'm going to commit to doing that. And you're trying to do it on the fly, just like with the Tyson Fury. You sign them up, hoping that you can find opponents and you, you can make entertaining fights. But again, just to play devil's advocate, they put all their faith, they put all their eggs in one basket and Bob Aram's going to deliver all these fights. And all of a sudden, Bob Arum has all this power and ESPN and all their executives are almost beholden to Bob Arum. They've put, they've aligned themselves with him, whatever he says, go. Now you have one guy who's in control of a major network, more or less, in terms of their boxing content. And it's almost like whatever he says goes, including signing someone like Tyson Fury and putting him in there with opponents that people really don't want to see. There's some boxing purists that are going to tune in to see him fight, you know, a a mop, as we've
1: discussed. Part of the the value of, of Fury. Is his entertainment value. It's not just his box. Like yeah, I mean, them, that's right. part of it. Listen, there's a fine line between entertainment and being a clown. You have yeah. to be careful. Right. You have to be careful. Yeah. You do. He's done some clownish things. Yeah, to you, have to be, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. But his personality, his story, it's a good story. You know, and then listen, don't think race don't come into it. I mean, he's a white guy in in a predominantly sport that's predominantly the best guys are black, mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic, uh, especially in the heavyweight division, uh, some of them. Uh, so a lot of the top guys are. So don't think, you know, we wish, I know, I wish that we didn't have to think that way anymore, you know, in, in this year uh, that we're in of uh, 2019. But it, it's still matters to some people. And uh, and I think that it's a novelty to a certain extent. That, uh, hey, you got every way who talks, he's white. and he, So that's part of the entertainment. That's part of the value. But he also is a big, giant guy that's pretty agile in the ring. You know, he can slip punches. He's got good defensive abilities. He showed that, to the most part, against Wilder. And he's got a good story behind him, gypsy and all that stuff, and where he comes from. And so the entertainment... As part of it, you know, I mean, Tyson was making his living at the end when he wasn't good anymore, but he was making it because of what the possible entertainment value you were going to get when you paid for him. That, that you might see something like a little ridiculous. You mm. might see him pick up somebody and throw him out of the ring. You might see him, <laughs> you know, he might bite a guy's head off. If, if he could Boy get, his, if he could get his mouth open that wide. Yeah. But he couldn't, you know, it was just big enough for the smaller things, the mm. appendages. Mm. That's the proper way of saying yeah. it, appendages. <laughs> you know, but he, uh, you know, so part of his value, Tyson value at that point wasn't his athletic ability or who he was fighting so much in the ring. It was about what people perceived as a curiosity, a, yeah. a entertainment, a morbid curiosity in his case. Um, but with Fury, again, you know, they're buying heavyweight. They're buying, uh, entertainment, you know, as part of it. And, and again, a big guy that he doesn't know what he's doing in the ring and, they're also they're competing again. They're competing for a slice of the market, a slice of the market, the the streaming market, the app market that they have
0: to compete against with the zone. No, I get all that. My question is, what is what 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 is the benefit of aligning with a promoter? Do you think that the the executives at different networks, and I'm not trying to pick on ESPN, pick anyone. That they're well, they they all have a, one guy.
1: A, but all of them have one guy. I understand, I understand what you're why saying, but Fox, Fox just make Fox, fights Fox, makes sense? Fox and Showtime basically have one guy. Well Fox especially. Uh Heyman. Yeah. Uh, the the Zone yep. has Hearn.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, Eddie Hearn from London. You know, so so they all Basically, of uh, one guy. And listen, when HBO was in business, well, you didn't think they were aligned with one guy or two guys, uh, uh, Golden Boy or whoever it was that was there.
0: No, I understand uh, that, but I'm wondering their favorite, why doesn't their ESPN stay guy? neutral and just try to make the best fights from a promoter? Do you think it's because someone at the network doesn't want to accept listen, responsibility you to, for doing listen, that? Listen,
1: ESPN had that for years for for 18 years. I called the Friday night fights. Yeah and for the most part we had that we we would put basically the idea was put the fights up to the best bid yeah you know to use all the promoters out there and mm-hmm. whoever offered you the best fight bang bingo yep you got the show yeah and and you know for the most part but when you're doing that then the the, the dependability factor becomes a little difficult because now you're not sure what you're going to get, you know, even though theoretically you're going to get the best matches because you have competition like we were talking about before, it's so important, but the dependability factor was at risk because now you weren't sure if a promoter, you say you got six promoters, you weren't sure if, if each time you went around the horn to these different guys and tried to keep the mix going and try to get the most competitive bid so to speak you weren't sure if you could depend on them coming up with it all the time uh, so there was a there was a worry and there would be a worry an inherent worry if you will that can all the going around to different shops can they can they always have what you need Yeah. and then kind of like Costco Costco comes along and all the Little hardware stores and all the other little stores that were always great to go to, all of a sudden they they get a little bit obsolete because you could go to Costco and do one 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 shopping, yeah. you know, one time shopping. So that's kind of what Aram, where they said, okay, we'll go with a known commodity with a known entity, you know, of Aram with top rank for years, been around, and we know that we can depend on getting. Getting of uh, the product, fighters. yeah. Getting getting the product that he's been able to put out there, you know, in the places that he's been able to put it out there. That we're we're going to be able to get that level uh, of service, so to speak. Yeah. That that level of, of a product, uh, and we don't have to shop around. We we have it in house, mm-hmm. and and that's that's where that thinking comes from, you know. And you could understand it, but I'm, my fear I'm, I'm is to play that, devil I'm not, not saying attic. it's it
0: infallible. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you're giving one person a lot of latitude to make the fights fans want to see, and it's his best. It's in his best interest to build up his own fighters to put on the fights he wants to see fight for the betterment of his stable. I hear what you're and you, there's a lot of room for discrepancy there. And again, I know this is sensitive subject. We want to um, be sensitive to all the relationships involved, but it's just. The the whole picture seems very muddy and cloudier than ever, and I gotta say, if this fury Wilder, well, doesn't look like it's gonna happen. But what well, a time tell. Listen, what a time. Shame. Ken, time tells everything. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. You gotta
1: go down the road a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. in all fairness, you gotta go down the road. So you go down the road, and at the end of the day, you know, time. Time has a way of. Uh, of showing you things and telling mm-hmm. you know telling whether or not your thoughts were accurate or not accurate.
0: Yeah. So yeah, time will tell. Uh I don't think we're going to reach any conclusions here today. So let's leave this topic for another discuss- another time and um get to this week's guest. All right, we're joined by a very special guest and before I introduce this man, I'd like to read a few of his statistics just to give context to how impressive this young man is. Amateur record, 396 wins in one loss. The one person who was lucky enough to beat him on points, he avenged that loss two times. World championships, silver in 07, gold in 09, gold in 2011. Olympics, gold in 8, gold in 2012 in London. Ranked pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world by ESPN, The Ring Magazine, and writers, the Boxing Writers Association of America. He won his third world title in just his third professional fight, tying a world record. Became a two-weight division world champion in only his seventh pro fight, winning the junior lightweight world title. In his, seventh, in his 12th pro fight, he won the lightweight world title. In addition to boxing, he's also trained in traditional Ukrainian dance and gymnastics. We're talking about none other than the great Vasily Lomachenko. Welcome, Hello. champ.
2: Thank you. Hello.
1: You had me at Vasily.
0: <laughs>
1: Remember that movie with Tom Cruise? Yeah. With, uh, what was it, Jerry Maguire? Yeah,
0: yeah. You had me at hello. <laughs> you had me at Vasily. That's enough. Well, 396-1 is an impressive amateur record because, as you know, Teddy, in the amateurs, there's a lot of room for uh, discrepancies there. To have almost 400 fights and only one time the judges get it wrong. He's a special guy. <laughs> I'd say. He's uh, very special. Well, listen, thanks for being here, champ. Really appreciate it. And thank you for bringing these beautiful belts. Uh, I know that these are special edition belts, especially the WBO belt. Um, hey, I guess you want to tell us a little bit about that one?
1: This is his manager, by the way, Aegis Clemens, who has the best stable. I think he's the best manager in the business, and he's got the best stable in the business. He's got four world champions, and he's got a line a line of other guys waiting to fill in to be world champions.
3: Not not to mention because of the best fighters. That's why yeah. I, I'm a best manager, because I have the best guys. Yeah, They are the best, not me. If they wouldn't be doing what they do, I wouldn't be in my position. But they are very established, very... Uh, how how I can describe that. You know, they when they come here they know what they want. They know what they're doing. And that's what makes me the best. It's not me. It's you got them. the
1: best if you got the best stable that is in a business. A lot of people would um would be envious and are envious to have a stable like that. It's uh four world champions and the guys that you're waiting to bring in next, that you're maneuvering next, there you got guys that are world champion amateurs and uh They're gonna fill into world champion slots too, but uh, you and 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 a bunch of Ukrainians, they they must be drinking some special water in the mountains over there. (laughs) They you know and and you have special people around them too. His father's special, very
3: special, very special. Yes, and that's you know I think I think that's what no his father helped for that Ukrainian team when they were to Olympics. That's what. I got, you know, most of, the, most of that team came, you know, to me to work together, you know. He was, uh, Vasily was the very first one to join, you know, to join. And then after him, you know, came Gvozdik, Usyk, and, you know, so.
1: I call him the machine, I call his father the professor.
3: <laughs> uh, he calls himself a different, he calls like a, him and his father, he calls a, it's a kind of like a video game. He's just a, like a little piece in a, on, a, on a screen and his father with a joystick is a, controls everything. Everything his father wants to go controls him and that's where he goes.
0: It's hard to argue with the success they've had together. And before we get into that, cause I want to talk more to the relationship you have with your dad, but you were telling me before we went live about this special edition WBO belt that they had made for, um, facility, um, I think what you said they made it made in Thailand special edition.
3: Yeah, that's what the president uh, of the WBO told me when he brought that belt. You now it's a special edition made belt for the super champion and uh uh they they do those belts in Thailand, I believe. This is kind of like it's not just like uh um, just stones it's not special real diamonds and uh, oh it's beautiful and uh, you know, as far as I know, it's kind of like sixty five thousand dollar to to make it those kind of a belts and but uh w b o it's you know they'll they likes him, and they they do that,
0: yeah, well, he's a special guy, we had to twist his arm to get him to bring the belts here, very humble guy, very quiet, reserved. But what I want to talk to um, is a little bit. I want to get into your amateur career and kind of walk through your career from the beginning, starting with the amateurs. How old were you when you initially started boxing? And was it your dad? Was your dad a boxer before you?
2: And how did you get involved in the sport? No, I don't have a, I don't have a chance, and I don't have a uh, Weber choose. I didn't have the choice. I didn't have a choice because my my father. Uh, is a coach. My father is a trainer. He showed me this beautiful sport. He teach me boxing. I love this game. <laughs> 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 that's why. That's why. That's why I start training boxing.
1: Your father had a plan. Yeah. From the I time think, you were born. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's very similar to, in the United States, obviously a different sport, but Tiger Woods' father with the golf. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods' father had a plan that when he was born, he was going to be the greatest golfer ever. And he had a plan to make that happen. He had exercises for him. He started him very young. He had a process that he was going
2: to put him through all the way through. Your father did the same thing. No, I I have a very... Interesting story, but I I uh, explain you in Russian and yeah. translate, sure. okay? Это uh, был, по-моему, 93-й или 94-й год. Какой-то был турнир украинский турнир, и на этом турнире в одной комнате собрались, тогда только появились у нас эти камеры, видеокамеры, и тогда в этой комнате собрались там, все ребята с, с области, с нашего региона, и каждого записывали, спрашивали, кто кем хочет стать в будущем. В общем, всех спросили ребят, все рассказали, потом очередь дошла до моего отца. Он тогда был молодой начинающий тренер, и у него спросили... А, ну, а что вы хотите? Он говорит, я хочу, чтобы в нашем маленьком городе был олимпийский чемпион. Мне тогда было пять лет на тот момент. Ну и вот его слова, в принципе, э, так оказалось, что они воплотились в жизнь.
3: Um, it's, it's a funny story. It was, uh, it was like a 92, 93, uh, 1992, 1993. Just like a uh, start, the reporters came to one room, and it was a lot of people, and uh, uh the question was what would you like to be what you like to establish in your life and you know all the people went through it and it, the, the time came to my father, Vasily says you no, know, to his father, and they asked him, What you know, what would you like, you know, to be and he says, uh, what I wanna be, I want in our little town, which is we live in a very small town in Ukraine. I want in our little town to somebody to become an Olympic champion. And at that time, Vasily was like maybe four or five years old and looks like his wish came true.
1: <laughs> Two times.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Two. yeah. Two
1: times. With, with all the great things, I'm gonna jump a little bit then I'll let Kenny take over again, but with all the great things you've done, professionally, average everything, what means the most, the Olympic gold medals or the world? Olympic
2: yeah. Olympic gold medal. Uh, first Olympic games, because it was my child dream. It was my child goal. I live with this goal, and I go to bed. I wake up. I eat. I go to school and I go to the gym one with thing. this. Yeah, one thing to be Olympic champion. And
0: that brings me to my next question, which is a
2: uh, that's a perfect setup,
0: because I'm dying to hear what motivated you to go back to the London games in 2012 after already winning gold. So you could probably go and make arguably millions of dollars within the next one or two years by turning professional in 2008 with a gold medal you have all the accoutrements to like go be a superstar. What was it that made you go back in 2012 to, in return to the Olympics? You know, I have, maybe
3: I have a special, a special uh, character.
2: That yeah? yes. character, special character. I want to be in the history and after first olympic games i want i wanted da yeah, i I, want. I wanted uh went to pro but father explained me hey you, you, don't rush you, we need we need to win one more olympic games and after that we can go we can go to pro and you know we sit down spoke a lot of time uh, and after after our discourse, the mm, opinion planning a No, I, I decided. I decided we need to go to uh, second Olympic Games because in in Ukraine we don't have twice box uh, boxer who won two, uh, uh, two uh,
3: times Games. Uh, in Ukraine we don't have a guy who won the Olympics twice. Yeah,
2: for but me I, it's a, it's for me I, it's a page in history. I have
1: for you. Not too
3: many countries have.
1: Anyone who wins two Olympic gold medals, not just the Ukraine, anywhere. It's very very rare. I don't know if there's ever
0: been, has there ever been another uh, male to win two? Because I I think Clarissa Shields won two. No, no,
1: There's three people in the history of the Olympics that won three. Yeah. Oh, wow. Three three people.
2: Yeah, just three.
1: Yeah. yeah. Three Tefelio Stevenson, the heavyweight from Cuba. Uh Um, Felix Savan, the heavyweight from Cuba. And and laszlo pop the great middle wave from hungary
0: Hungary, yes i would assume that the the the, i I figured two of the three would be uh cuban with the uh amateur program they have there and uh, we're going to get into one of the um cuban fighters who um you recently defeated but um when you when you initially went pro you signed with bob arum as soon as the uh after the 2012 olympics no no no
2: okay. no no i i went to uh half half professional it's okay. it's world Series world Series boxing. WSB. boxing right. yep. yeah w s b uh i fought a couple years or maybe one year no one year one year you... i fought one year and two thousand thirteen i signed contract with the top rank okay And I know that from um,
0: speaking with Alex and Teddy that the big part of your um, training program involves um, uh, psychology and uh, the mental aspect of fighting. Can you talk to me a little bit about the mental preparation that you go through and how you work with your sports psychologist? Because I believe he's a part of your camp full time. He's with you constantly in camp, just like a physical trainer. You have a psychological
2: trainer who works with you throughout the camp. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. Uh, uh, I have I have a three times a day train uh, first months in my camp uh-huh. first first months, and after after every training, I have a special special exercises. I have a special uh, train for my mind, for my head, uh, and for my. Uh, System. A nervous system. Yeah, nervous system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a special exercise. Uh, I can explain to you. We have a special we have a special uh, equipment, mm-hmm. and I work with this equipment. Maybe for you it's more interesting and more understand for you will be if, if uh, you explain my psychology. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's more, more comfortable for you and more comfortable for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me, it's hard to explain you in English.
0: Yeah, no, I've seen
1: some. If, Alf- if he turns around, there's wires that come out <laughs> there, there are wires that come out of him. And he has very special people
0: to make sure those wires are always just right. Well, it's hard to argue with anything you've done considering the way you've run through people. It's been wildly impressive, which is why we were both so excited to speak with you just about some of the other aspects other than the physical attributes. Ken, you
1: have to realize, excuse me, he's, these things are nothing new to him. He's been trained this way since he's six years old. When was your first uh, time in the gym? Six? You first,
2: know, first maybe, maybe on the third day. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a record. I'm fighting. gonna argue that that's a record. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. Because, because you know, I, then, yeah. then, yeah, after, Me. after, after, um, burnt house. Yeah. Um, I, I, after, then, you know, then, then his mother, mother
3: gave a birth, mm-hmm. and the father brought him back home.
2: And my father, my father, uh, put uh, boxing gloves on my hands. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah. They, they even had the picture, they even had the picture Then he's on a, they put him on a, on a car hood, and then <laughs> the, he's about like this big, and the glove is about this big, and, and the father put him a glove, then he was like three days old.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like was saying, in all seriousness, it was a plan. You could call it an experiment, whatever you want to call it, but it was a plan for him to be. World champion, right from the beginning. His father knew exactly what he was trying to do, and these drills that he does—he does a lot of drills. He'll talk about it: physical drills, technical drills, but mental drills to get himself ready. The one that I gotta jump—I have to say—is look. If you're gonna make somebody—if you're gonna make somebody a great chef, you gotta get them used to the flames, and the, so they don't get scared when the flame goes up in the kitchen. And if there's hot grease, that they don't get scared if they get burnt with some hot grease. If you're going to make a world champion fighter, forget about the body parts. Forget about the physical parts of it. You have, and the technical parts. But you have to make him mentally where he can control his emotions, his fear. Let's get right to it. Better than anybody else. And his father had plans and an understanding of putting him through things very early that would prepare him for things later.
2: Tell a story about the, the ocean, the lake. Ah, then I, then I swim uh, four and a half hours. Don't ever do this to one of your kids. No, you know, it's, you know all, I think a lot of people can do this, a lot of people can do swim. Lo- long time, yep. but in, in the open waters, yeah, open yeah. Water. in the open waters. But, but not Lara, people can do then your, your power, your energy done. Then you feel this feeling, then you feel this feeling, you, feel this feeling. you need, you need. You need to find a way. Ты должен заставить себя, ты должен через это. Ты должен, ты видишь ты должен туда доплыть. Не имеет значения. You have to go over yourself.
3: You, have to, you, have, you, have, you know you see, you see, already the shore and you know you have to make it and you already done, completely done. But you have to overstep over yourself and 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 make it happen. No, so,
2: variants. More variants. No.
3: There is variant
2: one. No. You don't have no choice. You don't
3: have no choices. You have only one choice. This is. That's what you have to
0: make. It. Or you drown. Or you drown. And, and the lesson you, there is. Do the... you, you hear that? Yeah. yeah.
1: Or you drown. <laughs> So how many people...
0: I can just see my wife uh, telling me, no, 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 don't put the kids in the ocean, please, don't do it. No, that, it's not
2: the ocean, it's no, a lake, it's a lake, yeah. Lake it, or ocean, it, you're it, still going to drown, it you don't make it. But
0: he's
1: preparing him for, to overcome things that the average person is never prepared, to go to a place that the average person is never prepared to go to.
0: That's what I was going to get to. How, is about, that's how, about like
3: a... going, how about going underwater and staying there for four and a half minutes?
0: <laughs> how about that how about that
3: four and a half minutes and and you know what he says and he says if I'm gonna pass away And you know, I have my, my my heart and my brain still works for five minutes. My father gonna take me out <laughs> yeah. I can hear
1: it, my it, wife. It's
2: anymore. very it very help me. It very help Alex Gwozdyk, Alex yes. it, it It's mentally trained
0: Those kind of exercises, I think what they teach you is that you can overcome a lot more than you think you can when you're forced to deal with the situation at the moment. You know, it's one thing to think, oh, I think I could do that. But when you're actually in there, it basically is giving you an example of, let me show you what you can overcome. Go do this and gives you an opportunity to be mentally deal with these kind of challenges. It pushes
1: you to a place
0: that you wouldn't go by yourself.
1: Yes, and that's why, that's that's the main reason why he's so special. That's why he was able to fight a fight with Linares with a dislocated shoulder and not panic at all. And listen, other fighters have done it too in this great sport. Other fighters have done those type things, but we're talking about right now why he was able to do that. And with a dislocated shoulder... And on your right shoulder, yep. which is his most important hand because he's in southpaw. Uh-huh. That's his lead hand. Ninety uh-huh. percent of his punches are coming from there. And now what?
2: Like his father said when he went to the corner. You say what his father said. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, don't uh, don't ner- nervous because you have uh, another hand. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: exactly right. And are you are you right-handed and and did you fight uh
2: southpaw to use yeah, the right Father father uh, changed my my position
0: to use the dominant hand as the jab and hook and use the uh southpaw to to so so you were constantly using the, your natural right hand for jabbing and uh, the more active hand right Yep Okay
2: that was uh that that was a strategy from early days with your dad I don't know, maybe maybe he'll he loves and he respects uh, Southpaw. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my fear in it, Teddy, in, in some parents hearing this is thinking, Oh, his dad did this, maybe I'm gonna do this with my kid, and this is, takes a very special combination of special people to be able to do these kind of things and I wanna I don't wanna dismiss house special they are to be able to do, have this kind of relationship and do these kind of things because a lot of people want their kids to be superstars but wanting and doing are two completely different things.
2: You know I think he changed my position because he want he to want, uh, teach my head and my half head work uh, the same, Adinaco, da? Adinaco. The same. And... like a same same with the right or
3: with the left yeah. So he just wanted to change, you know, whatever he's saying. Like, you know, whatever, he just wanted to change me.
0: He knew you could throw the right, but he wanted to basically make you be fight as, like, an ambidextrous. So you could change whenever you want. You can switch
2: positions. But support. I can't I can't uh, fight, fight with uh, left hand. Uh, no, he, can,
3: he can, be, can be an orthodox.
2: I can't I can be, yeah, I yeah. can't be... Because I all my life I I train on a, in a soft bar. Yeah. Uh, but he start he start change my position for I think for. Того, uh, the
3: way he's saying it's kind of like in 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 the brain.
0: Yeah.
3: Everything goes in the brain. That's why father, that's why his father changed him to make sure his brain will work equally both sides. Both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I know some of Al had showed me um uh one of your assistants had showed me um facilities uh training area up in a special section of the gym and some of the uh hand-eye um exercises that you do on the wall with the different colored numbers and responding to the um to the psychologist commands and working on hand-eye. And I think that that's an interesting technique that probably not a lot of trainers are using and uh, not a lot of fighters are using. And that would be uh, an interesting revelation or something to speak to that I think people will find interesting is the non-traditional stuff that you're doing to the extent that you're comfortable sharing that is maybe speak to some of those exercises like what exactly are you doing and what is the what are you hoping to get from it what's the um, what's the outcome you're looking for
2: я ищу цифры там 25 цифр на каждой таблице я ищу они разбросаны в В хаотичном порядке, ну в разном, не по порядку, я должен найти от одного до 25, это концентрирует твое внимание, ты концентрируешь и удерживаешь концентрацию долгое время, это то, что необходимо в принципе в бою.
3: I'm not gonna translate that because it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I figured as much. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's, it's kind of like um, uh, numbers, and yep. they go in a different uh, different ways. Oh, so sorry. all he needs to do just to concentrate and go like from one number to go to only 25, and it's kind of like a timing. He needs to go like one, two, three, four, five, six, and all we go up oh, to 25. And sometimes his psychologist says, "Now let's go backwards, mm-hmm. 25, 24, 23, 22." So it goes back and forth, and uh, that's what you need to concentrate, and especially after a hard training to do that, it's not easy. And it sounds.
0: The other thing that I wanted to speak to you about...
1: Especially since the numbers are not as easy as you made them. They don't go in order. He <laughs>
3: switches the order. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then you go to the different... That's why you see not just the one, but you see a different, uh, different table. я
2: делаю interesting цифры на протяжении I do these numbers <laughs> на протяжении 8 years. Their position, how they are located, they don't change я ты все равно не можешь их запомнить. And
3: it's the most interesting thing. I'm already doing like maybe eight years, and they are exactly the same, but it's impossible to remember it. Every time I come to do it, it's the same thing like I'm doing a first time. And
2: it's you know, I, 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 know, and
3: I can mention my eye memory is very, very good. I cannot even you know, remember.
0: And just for the fans, it's basically a grid with random numbers on it, just randomly arranged in a square. And it's basically hand pointing to the numbers. I've, I've looked at it; it's pretty complex. Go ahead. Did you ever think,
1: when you finish with this career, maybe be a card counter in Las Vegas? You go play cards. <laughs> 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 we we talk about that later. We're talking about that okay? okay? You, okay. me, and your father. Okay. okay. <laughs> you like, be, uh,
3: don't mention that, because my mind is going to let him go to the casinos and no more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they let us go until we start winning.
3: When we start winning, then...
0: <laughs> um. It reminds me of the scene from the movie um, The Hangover, which we were talking about earlier, you know, in The Hangover where he comes down and he's counting cards, and he says, it's illegal, and he's like, no, it's not illegal, it's just highly frowned upon. <laughs> 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 well, you one, one more question about the psychologist is: How much time do you spend one-on-one with the psychologist? Just speaking about, does he work with you like a traditional psychologist? To no, the ex-
2: okay. no, it's it's different. It's not. It's ecologic. It's a it's a sports ecologic. He train your mental head. Training. You train your mental training. Yeah, but it's, it's not, not. It's not, not, not. talking. About I don't have minds. a problem with my uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with how you are living your life. Psychology. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, okay. I just it's, wanted it's to clarify. Different. That. It's different.
3: Psychologist is working between wife and a husband if they not <laughs> getting along together.
0: Or if a person's sure going to get the divorce Or if a person's yeah. having a hard time <clears throat> dealing with aspects of their life. So to clarify, you know, it, it's not necessarily to do with mindset. More of just like training your brain and hand-eye coordination and be keeping your brain sharp. Yeah. And talk to me about. In the early days, as we discussed, your dad introduced you to boxing very early and to a certain extent, you can tell anyone, oh, hey, I'm going to introduce you to boxing and we're going to hit the pads and hit the mitts and you look, oh, you look great until someone gets punched in the face. And that's when you can tell, is this guy really want to be a fighter? Because it's inevitable that I know that you want to get hit as little as possible and you're very good at it. But when you get hit in the face, that's when you can tell if somebody really wants to be in the gym. Because if they don't, then I'll come back the next day. Talk to me about the early days of getting hit. And who knows, maybe you haven't been hit. I mean the, after reading some of these statistics, it doesn't even seem real. But talk to me about the early days of getting hit. I'm assuming to get better, you were sparring better fighters, taking shots. Talk to me about the fear yeah, and if there ever sure.
2: was fear. Которая была на год меня старше, она была на тот момент чуть немножко крупнее меня. И отец одевал нам перчатки, но мне он одевал перчатки и завязывал сзади шнурки. То есть я не мог выпрямить руку, если я бью правую, у меня тянет левую. Ты понял, да? Mm-hmm. да. А ей он я развязанный. Я был маленький, мне было 3-4 года и а, она постоянно меня била. То есть а он-то видел, что. Она меня била, она мне попадала по лицу. Мне было больно, но я не прятался, я не закрывал глаза, я там не плакал. То есть он после этого он понимал и осознавал, что, в принципе, у меня с характером и с, с волей к победе у меня все в порядке. Но настал тот момент, когда я вырос и понял, что почему меня постоянно бьют и почему я не могу закрыться и защититься, потому что у меня сзади связанные перчатки
3: uh three three four years old, my father put me in my first sparrings. My father put me with my cousin who who was uh she was actually the the female cousin and she was uh one year older than me but what he did he tied up my hands through the back so basically if i if I hit with the right my, my my left goes here, yeah. or or opposite. So I couldn't I couldn't you know do it with both hands. Yeah. Basically, my hands were tied up, and she was hitting me in the face. She was you know she was she was she was hitting me, and my father. But at that moment, I didn't close my eyes. Uh, I was coming back to her. So my father realized uh, everything is. Perfect with my character. I'm not. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You know to be. You know to be hit. Or I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I'm not giving up. Yeah. I'm not giving up. Yeah, exactly. And then. And then he says. And I grew up a little bit. I found out why I cannot hit her because my my hands were tied up.
2: Да, просто в тот момент был. Я помню эту историю. Я просто перекинул назад. Мне надоело, что меня бьют. Я просто перекинул из-за шеи назад эти веревки, и начал их дал пару раз, и <laughs> она заплакала. На этом мы закончили спарринги. Then, then I
3: so I just throw the rope in front of me and I hit her a couple times and then she crying and that, that was the last sparring we ever did.
2: И после этого уже мне было четыре там, да, и тогда я уже спарринговал с Sparring,
3: well, and then after that, and after that, and I was already like five, six years old. Already, my father
2: already put me with my same age guys. Not six, same age. No, yeah? I I всегда, они были меня, они всегда были старше yeah. Okay, so not same age, not same weight. It's always, always my sparring partner was uh, older, older
3: me and, and, and bigger. A bigger me and the, with a bigger weights and. Yeah.
0: Because that's the part that you can't plan for. Because if, if, if uh, as the young boy, if you don't want or can't get past that fear or, or that feeling of being punched in the face, all the training in the world isn't going to help if the head's not right. If you don't if you don't crave that kind of competition and and I don't want to say enjoy, but if you're not comfortable with getting punched, it's not going to go it's
2: very right. well. Of course, if you're afraid of... of of, of
3: be punched or you know if you're afraid of anything to be there and so of course it's uh, in, none of the trainers can, can make you a, a great fighter
0: that's right, so you have to have all those pieces before you start to get into like the real technical part of it, but talk to me about at what point did your dad have you stop boxing and do
2: Ukrainian dance I never stopped training oh, boxing, okay. I never stopped I I use and after school I use a dance yep. and after dance I go to boxing training. And and how old were you when you started uh, Ukrainian dance? I think it was 10 10 or 12 years. Okay. And I I used dance dancing couple years. I don't like it. Uh, you don't but, like it. No, I don't like it. But I I use because my my father <laughs> he was playing with me somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you if you not use a dancing you can't train a boxing <laughs> That's an interesting technique. I'm gonna to have to make a note of that for my own children. He, he understands and he see I love I love a boxing and I want training. He he down video that he see. It. No, he saw. He saw he saw my my uh, desire. My desire. That's why, that's why he can build me.
0: And the rationale was if he could get you to dance
2: for a couple of years, it would help with your footwork. I don't know. I can live I can live second life and yeah. uh, repeat my life without oh. dancing. But <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. well, we
1: do know that you have the best legs in boxing right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank
0: you. Well, when we're done, we're going to see a sample of your Ukrainian dance. You don't know this. We have a Ukrainian band ready to play the Ukrainian music and let you dance in the ring.
2: No. (laughs) No. No, You don't know.
0: That's not happening. (laughs) Rob, cancel the Ukrainian band. (laughs) Talk to me about the adjustment from amateurs to pros, because a lot of times in today I think you and I have spoken about this before. They're almost they can almost be like two different sports, very different skill sets. Some guys are very good amateurs, not so good pros. Obviously, some people make a good transition, but talk to me about the differences and the kind of adjustments that you've had to make. You know,
2: for me, different different rules. Mm-hmm. Not 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 style, not boxing, not it, 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 the same boxing. It it's just one boxing. Amateur, professional, mm-hmm. but rules. Yeah, rules is different rules. Make. Uh, Rules teach you. Mm -hmm. Uh it's the same. Then you then you born born you go to Sadiq. Kindergarten. Kindergarten. After that you go to school Mm -hmm. and after school you go to university. It's the same. Amateur boxing it's like school, but pro it's university. Of course after after school you need prepare for university. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was very fast, and uh, for me it was a very, I had a very big, big experience. Uh, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if if you ask me if you have one more chance and you can change your... Uh, do it all again? Yeah. I answer no, no. Everything do the you same? No, yeah. Yeah, because because it it was a very big and very very fast uh Experience. Experience. Very very fast experience yeah. for me. Okay. I I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna go in a pro mm-hmm. and fight fought with uh, guys who just started training boxing. Like
0: you didn't want tune-up fights. You wanted the best in the world from the first fight, right? Yeah. And I know, I guess you had mentioned that uh, you had wanted to go to the pros and fight for a title first fight out the gate, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And ended up taking you the third fight to get a world title. which is. we
3: still, you know, we still, he still fought for the, it wasn't a major title, it was a minor title on the first on fight on the first fight
0: yeah oh i hadn't realized that <laughs> i he, guess i he, i guess i shouldn't be surprised he but. started
3: he started with a 10 rounds <coughs> and the, and he got uh if it was a wbo international inter- intercontinental, intercontinental. No, yes. international international, international. Yeah, wbo inter- yeah. international yeah, and he was uh, scheduled for the uh 10 rounds and finished in a six i believe right
0: body
2: body punch, body punch, body punch.
0: it was a body punch and teddy i don 't think most people will realize and appreciate how significant that is because most pros coming up will start with four round fights, maybe three, four, five, four rounders, then six, eight, yeah, ten it 's
1: I, I listen, I think I appreciate it because I know somebody that, after his first pro fight, put him on a pound for pound best fighters in the world list.
3: <laughs> and, uh, and who did it? And I know who did it.
1: <laughs> after one fight, had him on a list for pound for pound top 10. And um, a few people were yelling at me, saying, what are you doing? I say, I think I know what I'm doing. I think I understand why. And uh, that's what I did. I put Lomachenko uh, in the top 10 after his first fight. Mm-hmm. Because I knew... I thought I knew what he was. I, I caught his fights for NBC in the Olympics, so I saw him. But I I saw something else. I saw the package, yeah. and I saw what he what he was already, and what he was going to be, what he could become.
3: And I remember, and I remember also that I remember very well. I saw I saw Vasili in Chicago, two thousand seven. Uh, I was in Chicago at the uh-huh. 2000. I saw him and people were talking about how special he is. But I, you know, years goes through and I heard about his first Olympic and, you know, then, then I saw a couple fights him as a, in the amateurs. Then I heard about the second Olympics. He won the Olympic medal. And then I saw one of the interviews, studied did, and I, he was after Olympics and uh, interview was, uh, well, I just came back from London. I was calling a fight. I don't know, maybe you don't even remember that, Teddy, but I, I remember for sure. And then he said that uh, all of those fighters from all the amateur, what I saw when I was in London, uh, I didn't see anything special. You didn't see no American fighters. And uh, he said, uh, the only one guy I can recall could be something in this professional game as a boxing. He says, that was a Vasily Lomachenko. And I really remember that. And then I saw his fights at the WSB when he was fighting. And I kind of like make to myself, I said, I got to get this guy. I have to get this guy.
0: Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) i can't stress i can't stress to people enough how how um impressive an amateur record of 396 wins and one losses because as teddy and i have you as you and i have discussed the amount of corruption around some boxing organizations especially in 2012 there were some big articles i think written by the wb um uh, by the bbc about in particular azerbaijan and potential illegal payments, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that this has been written about Wiley. It it just highlights how impressive it is to win 396 fights and only have one setback in 07 at the Worlds and then to avenge that loss twice. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, the amount of of potential for a bad decision is just, it's astronomical. So to come through that and just keep winning and keep winning is, uh, it's wildly impressive
3: no you you just i believe you just uh mentioned the 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 most touchable subject for teddy because teddy talks about that all the time about the judging and about and and about how corrupted it is and uh, unfortunately we are in a in a sport like that and that's what no that's what it is and uh, of course you know we've saw many many let me even bring back his second professional fight with Lledo Mm -hmm. How many 40, 41 or 42 low blows, not even, not even worn from a referee. So,
0: and just to bring the listeners up to speed, this is his second pro fight ever. He's in against Orlando Salido, who was a cagey, wily, very experienced professional fighter and, uh, lost a very controversial split decision there. And, um, I want to also point out that the guy missed weight by almost three pounds, um, so probably came into the ring a good 10 to maybe even 20 pounds heavier than you on fight night. Nevertheless, that was for a vacant title. Third fight, you come in for the fight. The, the, because Salito missed weight so egregiously, the title was still vacant. Then you came back on the third fight and won that fight. Um, but that was that's an interesting topic that you bring up, and, and the fact that that was one of the only blemishes on your record. I'm just curious, what was your mindset with that at po- after that fight to Salido? Did you feel it was a bad decision? And how did you come to grips with it? Or did you just dismiss it and move on and on to the next one?
2: Mm, конечно, я не был, я не был uh, согласен с, тем, с решением судьи. Я не был согласен. Я долго, оно мне, это поражение долго не уходило у меня с головы, но когда я готовился к третьему поединку за титул чемпиона мира, я тогда уже не думал ни о Солиде, ни о том, что я там проиграл. У меня в голове была только одна цель стать чемпионом мира.
3: Of course, I never agreed with the decision, what I lost that fight in my head, and um, it was for a long time, for a long time, it was in my head that loss. I you know, I was carrying with me all the time, but as soon as um, it was announced my third bout for the world champion, I knew I'm gonna be fighting for the world champion, I put that on the site, it completely went out of my mind, the loss against Alido, and I was preparing for the third bout. and it only was one thing into my mind,
0: I have to become a world champion. Very good, well, mission accomplished. <laughs> Can you talk to me a little bit about what a typical training camp looks like? So when, when, from the time the fight is announced, how many weeks out do you typically start preparation?
2: Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, My, my, scher- my schedule. Uh, it's. Uh, I start training at home. One in, month in Ukraine. In Ukraine, yep. yeah, one month, one and a half. Before the fight, two months before the fight, I I start my training camp and I come come back in United States. Uh-huh. I come back in Camarillo, and I start my training camp two months before the fight. Okay. But but bef even between the fight I I'm still training. Yeah. And after after the fight, after the fight I come back in Ukraine, I rest one month, I I never come in the gym. And one month just rest
0: no exercise, no, no, no exercise, work, nothing no
2: no no after after one month i i start i start uh, a little bit a little bit train mm-hmm. and 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 build and build my body
3: yeah, yeah. basically and, we know exactly' like no, not exactly like we don't know the exact date, but we know when his next fight will be. Like, for example, we uh, he fought in December, right? December 8th, the fight was. Then he went back home. We already knew approximately it's gonna be April. So for one month, he didn't do anything, and then he started, beginning of February, now he started doing some exercises.
0: And now, when you come to the U.S., like, just a typical training day, as you said, you mentioned that you're training three times a day. Yeah. And that includes, I'm assuming, road work, strength training, and sparring. As you, how, how, explain to me what a typical day in Canada looks like. I start at like.
2: 5 a.m. Yep. It, it's uh, one hour uh, cardio training. Mm-hmm. Second train is 12 a.m., I apologize. Mm, no, p.m., 12 p.m., 12 p.m., uh, I use a swimming pool or I I have a train in a beach. And uh, third train, I have a 6 p.m. It's a boxing training.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when you go to the beach, you're swimming uh, sw-
0: swimming in the ocean?
2: No, no, no. I swim in a in pool. Oh, that must be but a nice break the... from being dropped in the ocean. <laughs> no, it's cold water. I don't like it.
0: <laughs> I don't like it either. <laughs> and now what are your thoughts on so you're currently campaigning at lightweight uh, is, is it your intention to continue to move up in weight class would you like to unify all the belts in lightweight what is your ultimate goal in terms of weight classes
2: now now my goal it's uh unificate all titles and i want to be can Absolute, absolute, absolutely, Undisputed. Undisputed. Undisputed world champion of lightweight division. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So next. That's time why. Then? That's why. That's why I jump in the weight classes. You know. Yeah. I start in featherweight, and I think I can. I can do this. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I I go uh, go up. 130. I think. Oh, we can. We can make it. But we can't uh, make uh, a lot of fights. Uh-huh. We can make uh, uh, fights with the champions. That's why I go uh, next weight category. So... Be- yeah, because it's,
3: a, you know, it's a politics... It's it's a network. It's, it's, really? It's a...
0: <laughs> In boxing? You're no. kidding me!
3: <clears throat> oh, you know that today? No. Let, no. Me, let, let me let me well, let me take you to school. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why you now he went with different weight classes because it's you know this promoter has this guy. This guy belongs to another network. So 126, 130, we couldn't collect all the belts. But I think at the 135, the next time we're gonna do uh, this podcast with. You guys, tell me, we will need two more tables because we need to put two more belts here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no
2: but problem. if 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 in the future uh my promoter can make me a fight in a top fight with a top fighter in a 130, I can go down. Uh-huh. I can lose my weight and fight with a top fighter in a 130. Problem. How heavy do you think you can fight? Do you think you can fight at welterweight weight? No, I think it's, no. now it's my, it's my level. limit level. L- level. Yeah, because, okay. because, because, uh, 135, it's not my natural uh, yeah. rate.
3: He doesn't have even to make a one thirty five weight. He he can easily.
1: He's had three division titles. You know, twenty six, thirty, thirty five. Yeah, know, that's enough. <laughs> I'm just curious. I mean, As he a, seems to be able and to and do he whatever he wants and to he do. He wouldn't go to welterweight. He would go to one forty junior welterweight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: his body, his size. I, I'm thirty one years old. I I'm yeah. I'm not twenty yeah. years old. You know. Yeah. It's interesting you say take that. It, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I, hey, if you told me he was going to fight at, at at middleweight, I would be like, well, I guess if his, dad, if his dad says he can do it, he's done everything else. I don't know where's the limit for this guy. He doesn't seem to be able to be beaten anywhere at anything. Um, and it's interesting that you um, uh, bring up the age because you and I had spoken about this earlier about um, Javante Davis recently won a fight and and um, he's an exciting young fighter and some of the, the press was asking him after the fight. What do you think of Lomachenko? And immediately Floyd, who doesn't like to share the spotlight, additionally likes to speak for Javante Davis. He says, um, why should we fight Lomachenko? He's only getting older. We can make the same money fight and other people. And it was just interesting to get that insight. And it was surprisingly candid for uh, Floyd, the manager, to like open this insight into his thinking of like yeah they they're trying to avoid the the, the fight that people really want to see that's a dangerous fight i mean i don't what are your thoughts on um
2: some of the fighters that are out there is there anyone in particular there that you want that you'd like to fight look they they are businessmen mm-hmm. they are now athletes mm-hmm. they are businessmen they are making money I'm athletes and i want to fight with the uh, top fighters i want to fight with uh, top guys for history mm-hmm. for my history for boxing history That that's why we can make uh, fights hey, guess how hard is it to get people to um, accept this
0: fight against Vasily um,
3: it was in the beginning it was very hard because um, so you know basically nobody wants to fight a guy five and now we're five and one, you know, three and one, and, you know, but now, because he has already established pound for pound number one, uh, everybody knows what, you know, fighting Lomachenko, we can make money, and I think right now it's a little bit easier than it used to be, because, you know, right now we wanted to fight Loma, you know, uh, Right now it's easier because, you know, he got in one of the fights with Mariaga, he got cut, you know, Uh he was bleeding. So they saw he's not a machine, he's a human being. You know, he has the blood also. Uh, Did Did they check? <laughs> Linaras, cut Linaras, because
1: listen. there's a there's a room out there that it, it was
3: diesel, <laughs> it was <laughs> that it, that oil, oil, yeah. oil, yeah. oil, oil, oil was It red. was engine when lubricant. But was red. No. Linaras <laughs> cut him with a with a punch where he you know he was S- dropped.
1: Stp oil treatment is red.
3: <laughs> okay, red. Right, yeah. Linaras got him with a punch. Now he was dropped. So now everybody thinks, oh, so he's all, oh, Lomachenko is beatable now. And if we, I'm going to beat, you Now the fighter thinks if I'm going to beat, I'm going to put my name all the way to top. So I think right now it's uh, easier to get uh, to get uh, to get the f- uh, opponents for him than it used to be.
0: That's an interesting observation because I think a lot of people like to point to that knockdown like as if it was the, almost the equivalent of a win. It's like, oh, they got him. They knocked him down. But, I mean, he still come back and stopped him uh, uh, with uh, body shots, I believe, right? With, yeah. with, with one arm. And that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people forget about you, this. I don't yeah. think people forget. I don't think anyone's ever spoken about it. I, I, I had never heard that you had a dislocated shoulder in the fight. You had surgery <laughs> after that
1: fight. Matter of fact, that brings me to the next question for me. How's your shoulder? How is it? Good.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Good. You look good in your last fight. You, you know with Pedraza, you you look good and um, no problems. Everything
2: everything okay? No, no problem. But you know in in that fight I didn't use my right hook because because I give for my shoulder a little bit longer time. You for... worried about it a little <laughs> bit in that fight about using it? I I don't worry, but I. I n- maybe subconscious no no during during my preparation I never use I never train my right hook for the for, yeah yeah for for uh for longer uh, восстановление so uh, to, to to it's recovery yeah, to train, to so recovery, it yeah for longer healing. recovery yeah yeah, yeah. So, now now I start to use right hook now I start train my right uh, hand right hook so
3: that's if you if you if you look at the fight with a Petraza, he'd never use the right hook with and a Petraza in a fight because you know,
1: that's pretty amazing. You went into a fight with a top guy and you took one of your one of your weapons away. You you had to go you took away one of your weapons in a fight with a you know with a top class fighter.
3: He has too many, so he can put one away.
1: That's that's how we make <laughs> you normal. We take one of your weapons away. <laughs> we say you can't use this. You um that is impressive. I mean, most people would not, if they didn't hear it right now, they would never understand that. That you would go into a fight with the discipline, the confidence, and the ability to take away one of your punches and still be able to be effective in a fight. Um, congratulations! Thank you. That's Thank that's, you. that's pretty special. Uh, but and and Pedraza was. He fought a good fight, Pedraza. Yeah. yeah I mean, people, yeah. I got mad at people because they were saying, oh, he should... what are you talking about? Do you understand? This guy's a good fighter. Forget about the Javante Davis fight. Sometimes a loss makes you a better fighter. Sometimes after you lose a fight, you mature. You understand what you have to do. You understand your identity, how you need to fight. Against Javante Davis, Pedraza didn't understand that. He was just fighting. But after that fight, he grew up. He understood how to use range, and he used range very well. You you came in three inches, he went back five.
2: And and. много, <laughs> yeah, m- много нюансов вот m- много нюансов было в бою с спидрасса. у меня с первое если сравнивать с Дэвисом с Дэвисом он боксировал он очень много веса uh,
3: it was a many different thing was when he fought gemount uh, Davis he had to lose a lot of weight здесь он боксировал в, в своем весе а я не в своем he was fighting here at, at his weight class yeah. I wasn't at that weight class
2: yeah. uh, и когда он боксировал с перасой он шел с ним дрался он шел вперед а когда он боксировал со мной он от меня бегал
3: then he was fighting Petrasa. Then uh, Petraza was fighting Davis. He went and he fought. He was coming forward yes. with, with Davis. With me, he wasn't coming. He was that's running back.
2: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's exactly right. The third thing that's interesting in the knockdown when he got up in the knockdown, he stood up and he was ready to continue, but the referee stopped the fight. The, was and then and
3: then then he was dropped, he stood up and he was ready to fight, but the referee stopped the fight, so he was ready you
1: know I listen that's why I said what I said. Pedraza was a whole different fighter uh than night with you, uh much smarter, uh much more complete, and much more understanding of how he needed to fight, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: his identity was was there against davis for all the reasons you just pointed out but there was no identity that way he was just go get him and that was the wrong way to fight against a guy who can punch and who's a bigger guy
0: the one interesting thing uh before we wrap things up just a couple more questions but i'm interested in your thoughts on a lot of the trash talking that goes on in a promotion. You know, um, Davis, just to use Davis as an example, is with Floyd. Floyd made a career out of talking a lot. But you seem to have always be radiating supreme confidence and not even engaging in the back and forth like it completely unfazed by this stuff. And you could see sometimes people are almost beat before they get into the ring by the other guys posturing and um, shenanigans outside of the ring. How do you cope with this and what are your thoughts about trash talking as it relates to promoting the fight?
1: You're asking a guy how he copes with freaking words when a guy was in the ocean, would, 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 to, left in the ocean, either you swim or you drown. And you asking him, how do you deal with words? Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> I like the he, he I, never, I, never, I, he never, Are you kidding me?
3: He, he never goes in the trash
0: talking. Oh, oh, I like God. hearing he, his no. insight and sharing his thoughts on just all of the aspects um, of go fighting. Ahead. <laughs> Как ты ну, относишься
3: вот этот как Если
2: трэш-то. как я отношусь, мне нравится, я, как как э, допустим болельщику мне нравится, когда происходит трэш-токен, мне нравится вот это шоу, которое устраивает там Макгрегором и Смайвейзером, вот вот на подобие этого всего, оно интересно наблюдать. Лично я я не могу этого себе позволить.
3: If you ask me a question about the trash talking, then and I am a fan looking from aside, I like. I like the way McGregor goes with Floyd, and you know, when they talk. I like to see it. Hmm. Then it comes to me personally. I'm not allowed to to to, to do that stuff. I'm not talking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned McGregor since you've pre- pretty much beaten everyone else in boxing. Uh, should we look for you in the MMA anytime soon? No, maybe we no, see you fight in a no, cage. <laughs> no, no, no. Every no, every
2: think. fighters need to be in. Uh, and his his best, uh, I don't know, position. best yeah, position. Best position. If you wrestler and if you fighter in the UFC, you, you need to fight and UFC rules. If yeah. you're a boxer, you need boxing in a boxing rules. Yeah. Um and then so before we wrap things up, the next
0: fight I guess is uh, April twelfth. Correct. At uh, Staples, Staples Center, Center, Center here yeah. in LA. Um, where can people find you and keep track of you? On uh, are you on social media? Do you have Twitter, Instagram? Where can people find you so the fans can follow along and maybe what you've been, what you're up to outside of the it's, ring?
2: It's name and second name: Vasily Lomachenko. You can put in a search, uh Search. Uh, search. search, and you just <laughs> Vasily Lomachenko. You, but you're on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah.
0: And uh when you're in camp here does your family come with you? Yeah. Wife, children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your dad obviously. And the and your um psychologist or um, mental preparation coach he also is with you full time in camp. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, listen. Really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak with us. It's um Incredibly kind to have of you to share some time with us. and uh. I just went to, I'm looking for a deck of cards
1: so we can start practicing <laughs> our, our card counting tricks uh, or skills. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, like I say, look, I know you're in camp and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to share your uh, thoughts and share your story with us. I know that the fans, a lot of fans are very interested. There's been a lot of, uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that were very excited to hear more about you as the person, not just the fighter. So thank you very much for joining us. And um, Teddy, if you don't have any, you have anything else?
1: I just wanted to tell them thank you for making the sport better. You make this sport better by being the person you are, too. And uh, caring about the things you care about, family and people and, you know, not just you, all the good fighters out there, too, that make this sport better. And you're one of them in, in many ways.
3: And, so are uh, you. So uh, are you, Teddy. Uh, you're making the sport better.
1: I, I appreciate that. I uh, I don't know if everybody agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy's <laughs> new slogan: "Make boxing great again." But I don't know if everybody, <laughs> is, anyway, agrees. But I appreciate it, and um, I just wanna wanna say something to the people that might not completely. Understand or able to see exactly what you do and how you do it, you know, I joked with you one time, but I was being serious, but I was saying it in fun when I was doing an interview with you for ESPN I said, "What makes you the taker of men 's souls? Mm-hmm. You know for me, you know you 're like the predator where the predator came down with Arnold Schwarzenegger that first movie remember you saw it the predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs>
3: Predator, he's he, he.
1: And and he collected he collected men's souls. He he would take men. Well, he did a little more than that. He also took their heads. <laughs> and, you know, he he made trophies out of. Them. Yeah. But joking around, they said they said in the movie he makes trophies out of men's souls. You you make trophies out of men's souls, and I'm just saying that. I mean. You went and you made fighters do something, quite a few of them, that you're never supposed to do as a fighter. Never. You can lose. People lose. But you're never supposed to quit. And you made fighters quit. And not one, not two, not three. And you made some really good fighters quit. You know, Walter's. I mean, Walters was an undefeated world champion. Uh, Rigondeau, two-time gold medalist, undefeated world champion. I mean, these are not, you know, just regular guys. And you made them quit. And for me, what makes you able to make a fighter do something that he never should do is that you take their hope away you don't just overcome them with power and, and you know, physical strength. You do it with this, you do it with your body, you do it with your technique. And you put pressure on people while you make them miss, which is hard to do. You're pressing and you're making them miss and at the same time you're on them. So you make them feel like, where is my hope? If I can't hit him, If I can't put my hands on them the way I need to, then I have no hope. And you see some fights where there's a war, and both guys go all the way. But they're able to hit each other, so there's hope. But with you, what you've done in those cases is you took their hope away. And when you take a man's hope away, he becomes empty. And then there's nothing there. There's just a body, and the body falls. And I just want to tell you that I—I I don't know if a lot of people because I people used to ask me when I was doing the ESPN fights, Teddy, what makes Lomanchenko? I got into an argument with a guy. I love him, Stephen A. Smith.
2: You know, <laughs> I got
1: into a big argument with him on TV. I love Stephen, but he would be like, Teddy, what? Why do you? Why does he? How does these guys quit? Why are they quitting? Why are they doing that? I said, Stephen, let me put you in there with a guy that you can't hit, and he's hitting you, and he keeps coming, and he keeps coming. But you can't do what you want to do, and you have no hope. So I just wanted to say that for the people out there. And if you want to touch on it, please, you could say something if you
2: want. Thank you invited. Thank you for... By the way, you know new stories my career очень thank you very much for inviting me thank you very much for listening and
3: of course uh you heard some new stories which nobody else heard it so about my 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 prior my when I was growing up so uh it was a fantastic time thank you very much thank boss. you Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you.